Do we sound like a rejoiceful congregation? I mean, we are so blessed. We are so favored. We have so much of God's promises. And we're like, we're going to rejoice and be glad in that. And I know it's early in the morning, but we still have the right, the ability to choose joy in all situations. There we go. Thank you. I need a few cheerleaders out there today. Man, I'll tell you. We are, you are not in Arlington Memorial Hospital today. Do you realize that? You are not, uh, there are so many situations that you could be in right now. You could be sitting in the county jail thinking, how did I get here? Okay. <laughs> so let's try this one more time. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. To be glad in it. There we go. It's a choice. And we're, we're continuing on today about the, the seven spiritual blessings. And uh, I'm going to do a real quick recap because we got a lot to cover today. But we've been talking about spiritual blessings and physical blessings. We all love physical blessings because physical blessings are, are things we can see, we can count. When somebody walks up and gives you an unexpected sum of money or, or gives you a car or says, here is an inheritance from someone that you, a relative you didn't even know, those are all physical blessings. And we can count those, we remember those. We've had seasons where God's blessing was just so overwhelming to us, and, and we remember those times. But spiritual blessings sometimes don't get the acknowledgement and credit that physical blessings do. And yet, because we're spirit beings, spiritual blessings are really more important than the physical blessings. You see, because spiritual blessings help us as spirit beings to have a stronger spirit. And when you have a strong spirit, you make decisions based upon the word of God. You make decisions based upon your faith. You make decisions based upon that knowing inside that God is going to be faithful, that he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. When our spirit is weak, when we've been attacked and we're going through times of, of dryness in our walk with God and we just feel like God is so far away, we start making those same decisions, though, based upon our flesh. How do we feel about this? How, how do I feel? Well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. Whenever you feel like you are in a spiritual battle, would you do the exact opposite of what your flesh is telling you to do? Yeah, and, and bring this to a situation. I don't want to go and apologize to that person. Then go apologize. I, I don't want to walk tonight, and I don't want to pray, God. Then go pray. Even if it's just going through and showing God that you are faithful and you are pursuing him. A lot of times when we're going through those difficult times, we make some really bad decisions. When we had the men's meetings, we kind of learned a very important point. That confused people make confused decisions. I know that's not really deep, but it's really accurate. Because when we're going through a time of confusion, we're not thinking straight. That's when we need God's pouring into us and giving us some discernment, giving us direction, giving us godly counsel, so that we make those decisions. We've looked also about being holy and blameless because we're going through Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Holy and blameless, if you remember, was the time where we had this huge red sheet hanging from the ceiling, and we talked about that was the blood of Christ. And as long as we're under the blood of Christ, Satan can't get to you. But Satan will put temptation to draw you out from underneath the blood of Christ. 
You see, he can't come in and get you, but he will try to lure you away. He can no longer accuse you before your Heavenly Father because your sins are forgiven because of what Christ did on the cross. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. That all of our sins have been forgiven. But Satan is still trying to lure us and tempt us away from the presence of God. We also talked last week about a predestination and adoption and how predestination means that he predetermined and how adoption meant to bring you into the family of God. Even us as Gentiles were brought into the promises and the covenant of Abraham. We talked about the spirit of rejection. The spirit of rejection doesn't come from God. The spirit of rejection comes from Satan. If you're feeling rejection, that is from Satan. God is not rejecting you. God is constantly wanting to draw you closer to him. In fact, if you wake up at 418 in the morning and you cry out God, he's right there. You're not going to get an answering service from God. Please leave your name and message and prayer request and you'll get a response in the next 18 hours. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with God because he is constantly aware of our situations. Wanting to draw us in through the Holy Spirit closer and closer and closer to him. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 7 and 8 today. We're going to cover actually two of the blessings today. Ephesians 1 verse 7 and 8 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. If you're taking notes today, we're going to have a three-point message. Point number one is we're redeemed from. Now, redemption. It means, in its simplest term, to buy back. Now, it is not a term that we really use in today's society. You don't see store flyers, anything mentioning the word redemption. In fact, if you want to really tie it into today's uh, terminology, it has to do more with recycling or, or a refund. We've taken those, the redemption out. Now I'm gonna tell you, and this is gonna, you pretty much everybody knows my age anyways, but when I was growing up, I did probably 150 miles on my bike every week. Man, I rode all over the place. And what I was in search of were bottles. Because I learned that if you got a bottle and you took it to the 7-Eleven, they would give you three cents or five cents of a a deposit back. And that was big money for me because, man, I would, I would have a basket or I'd actually you'd see me with a full paper bag riding with one hand like this and all these bottles jingling. And when I brought them in, man, I brought in 20, 30 of those bottles. And I, you thought I was one of the wealthiest men in Las Vegas. When I'm going to the candy thing saying, I'll take three of these and two of those because I had an abundance because of this. We also talk about Recycling. You see, this, this can served its purpose. I don't drink Diet Coke. I borrowed this can. But the owner of that can actually drank the contents and then gave it to me. A lot of ways we're like this can. See, some people will tell you that this can is trash and it's spent. In fact, even when I got it, it was already dented up. And then there's sometimes in pressure things happen to the can and it makes it even less valuable and I don't know if you've ever been through a spiritual time when when you felt like you were the can and this was the world and the world comes in and just 
completely smushes you. I've been here. I've been here. In my life, I have been here. Where I felt like my whole world was crushed. It could have been through a time when I lost my job. It could have been through a time when I experienced some rejection from somebody I loved. It could have come through a hurtful email or word spoken. But we've all gone through this. But the beautiful thing about this is that God doesn't see trash. God still sees the value of this because of what it's made of. We are like crushed cans. And God says, bring it to me, I'll buy it back. I'll buy it back. I don't care what it looks like, I'll buy it back. You see, when you take this in, they don't examine the can to say, well, you know what, there's a scratch here. We're not gonna give you as much. They just take it in and then they give you the money for this because they know the value of the product. Regardless of the way it looks, regardless if it's already spent its, its purpose, there's value. When we talk about redemption, we as a human race were sold into sin. And God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to buy us back. It took the greatest price to buy us back from a world of sin. In this passage it says that we are redeemed from. So what are redeemed from? And I just used a three letter word, sin. I want you to think about something. How often do you hear the word sin anymore? Really, I mean, it's not on television. It's not in the movies. It's not probably in your workplace. You know, if you jam the copier, that's a sin. You know, we don't use that word. See, we've tried to remove sin from society because nobody likes to hear that word. Because if there's sin and we're discussing sin, then that means we're sinners. I'm wanting you to think about this because our culture has tried to remove Christ from our lives so much that even a term is now not really even being used much. Sin is a bondage. John 8 verses 31 and 36 tells us this. So Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you live by what I say, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They replied to Jesus, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been anyone's slaves. So how can you say that we will be set free? I guarantee this truth. Whoever lives a sinful life is a slave to what? What does it say right there? It's slave to sin. And a slave doesn't live in the home forever, but a son does. So if the son sets you free, you will truly be free indeed. Let's also look at what Peter wrote here about false teachers. In 2 Peter 2.19, now he's talking about false teachers. He said, they promise these people freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. A person is a slave to whatever he gives into. We are a slave to anything that we give into. Anything that's controlling our life, we are a slave to. 
This is what Paul wrote to Titus. Paul wrote in Titus 3, verses 3 through 5, Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasure. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Look at this verse and think about our world today. We've got countries that hate us, want to kill us, destroy us, call us infidels because we're not of their religion. We have racism. We have bigotry. And it says, here it says, our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of our righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. Can you get an amen on that? that, that's there, that it was not because of what we've done, it's because of what Christ did for us. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, some of this might be hard because you know what? We're Americans. <laughs> right? Now, even when you say it, just, just say that. We're Americans. Say it. Go ahead. We're yeah. And we're, we're the land of the brave and home of the free. free. In fact, as Americans, we really don't like pretty much anyone really telling us what to do. But I'm going to present something to you that you may be a little bit more into bondage than you realize because we have a government that, that sets laws. And laws are, are set to protect, but they also hinder. They also tell you what you can do and what you can't do. Laws are taking place that are going to do more in your health care, which is good. But then those same laws might say, well, now we don't feel like you because of your age and condition, deserve this treatment. We don't want to think of ourselves as under bondage to anything, but in reality, there's a lot of bondage surrounding us. Most people deceive themselves, and they'll say to themselves, you know what, I could give up cigarettes anytime. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm a social drinker. I mean, these, these are really things that people say. The drugs, they're not hurting me, they're helping me. Wow. I, I, I could quit if I wanted to. But I think what they're really saying is, I can't give it up, and I can't admit to that. We need something greater than ourselves to break some of those bondages to sin. Amen. We need something greater than ourselves to break those bondages of sin. Amen. And Christ is that thing we need to break. Because the word of God says that I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And it will quicken my mortal body. There's power in Christ in me. The hope of glory residing in us. But still we choose sometimes to be bondage to sin. 
another spiritual blessing that we have here is wisdom. Point number two is wisdom. Because in Ephesians 8, it says, He has lavished upon us all wisdom and insight. I'm going to make a statement you may or may not agree with, but wisdom is something that is lacking in our world today. Lacking. Wisdom and lacking. We have politicians talking about situations. And you think, are they really thinking this through? Are they really understanding? Surely they know something I don't because they're making statements that are really scary. Wisdom is lacking in our world today. Wisdom helps us make sound judgments and decisions. Whether you realize it or not, our universities are being controlled by humanists and atheists. I'm going to say it again. Our universities are really being controlled by humanists and atheists. And if you don't even realize it, our curriculum that's being taught in several of our public schools has actually an anti-American history tied into it. They're ashamed of this great country. They're ashamed of what God has done for us. We've removed God from school. We're trying to remove God from society. But there are embittered people who are trying to poison the minds of our children. So many Christian teenagers leave their church and their youth group that all was taught was don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And they're walking into campuses and being presented with humanistic ideas. And if there's a God, then, then he'll keep this can from dropping on the ground. And our kids are thinking, wow, yeah, I've never seen God stop a can midair, so he must be right. 2 Timothy 3, verses 7 8 says this These women are always studying, but are never able to recognize the truth. As Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men oppose the truth. Their minds are corrupt. And the faith they teach is counterfeit. There is false teaching that doesn't align with the word of God. They'll mix some truth and they'll mix a lot of their own theology into it and they'll present it to you. And the word says that there'll be itching ears ready to hear this. Itching ears means, man, I'm anxious to hear how to, how to get rich quick in God. Three easy steps to an abundant, blessed life. But wisdom helps us make godly decisions. It helps us strengthen our spirit. And it comes from Jesus Christ. True wisdom and understanding cannot be acquired in this world. I thought about this statement because if you took all of the intelligent people that we consider intelligent, you know, Einstein and, and Randy Hyde and uh, uh, multiple people that have all come together, and we consider them intelligent, I think all of that would be ignorance compared to what God has in his infinite wisdom. Right? I mean, the creator who is able to speak the universe. We still don't understand all of the universe, let alone the person who spoke it into existence and how it runs. Amen. Think about it. How our bodies are made of cells. How we live on a planet that can survive in the conditions and the oxygen levels and the CO2 levels and the temperature levels that we have. We would not survive on other planets. Other planets too close to the sun, we'd burn up. Further away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. 
It would not be in existence. It would not be a beautiful day. There would be no Pantigo Fest if it were 200 degrees below zero outside. <laughs> but we think, oh, this was just a big explosion and it just kind of happened. And we have evolved. They've never been able to tell me why we still have monkeys if there's evolution. No, oh, oh, no, 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 that's that question. Why? If all of us evolved from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? Were there dumb monkeys and smart monkeys? <laughs> At least if we're going to tell me if I'm coming from a monkey, tell me I'm from the smart part of the monkeys. See, they want to take everything away, all theories, but they don't want to teach creationism, even though it's just as much of a theory. Remember the humanists and the atheists in the campuses? Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. The Greek word here means Sophia, which means seeing and knowing the truth. Knowing. The word of God says that we'll know good and evil. Knowledge. See, knowledge gives you a deeper revelation of God. The more time you spend in God's word, the deeper you will understand him. The more you get closer to God, your strength and faith grows in God. Knowledge increases. This is a true spiritual blessing. Knowledge gives you the ability to know what to do. This summer, we had quite an issue with our air conditioning. An angel over here on the front row truly was our angel. And he would come and he'd say, well, this is what's wrong. Now, if he came out and said, well, you know what, pastor, I know what's wrong. I'd say, what, angel? Well, those two little box with the fan thingies outside your house aren't running. Well, I kind of knew that, okay? What I needed was his knowledge to tell me what even the name of those two little fan thingies are. Unfortunately, this summer, I learned a lot more about HVAC than I really wanted to know. Compressors and condensation, and it's a gas, and these are this. And I mean, he was, because man, I'm asking him a thousand questions. In fact, sometimes I think he was just like, don't you have a study to go do or something? Because I'm sitting there, I was like, what does this do? What does this do? And evaporator coils. And, but I needed his knowledge to fix the situation. Now, if I'd have called him and he'd said, well, hey, I know what's wrong. It's hot in your house. That's not knowledge. <laughs> I knew that. I needed his knowledge to fix my situation. We need to have God's knowledge to know how to fix our situation. Because when you call me and say, hey, pastor, my life's messed up. And my response back is, yep, it's messed up. That's not helping you any. <laughs> If that's the response you get from your pastor, get a new pastor. Yep, that's pretty bad. Can, in fact, can I Facebook that out right now? Because that's the greatest story I've heard all week. No, I don't want you to share that with everybody. Really? Because it would be a great story. No, you come and you say, I need answers and I need to know what God is saying about this situation. I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. I feel like I'm about to burst. Knowledge of how God and his word apply to our situation. That's what we're hungry for. I'm going to tell you that walking in faith does not make sense to our minds. When the doctor gives you a report and you start thinking, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, you start declaring what faith starts declaring. You're not declaring the negative report that was given over you. 
you start declaring that I am healed. My steps are ordered. My God shall supply all of my needs. I have the mind of Christ. Your peace that passes all understanding guards my heart. You see, this doesn't make sense to our friends that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ because they're saying you should be freaking out right now. So it doesn't make sense to them how you could start declaring a scripture, how you could actually stand on the word of God and say, Lord, your word says all of your promises are yes and amen. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. These are the fighting scriptures that we need to have in our arsenal when enemy is starting to attack our bodies, our finances, our families. But it doesn't make sense to the natural world. In fact, there's an old adage that says, in God's kingdom, two and four does not equal four. And I agree. I don't teach anything that I don't walk out. Tithing is a principle in the word of God. It's, tithing is giving 10%. Not just 10%, it's the first 10%. That's what God's asking for. God's saying, give me your first fruits. Not your leftovers, bring it to me. And it's one of the promises that says, prove me now in this and see if I won't do more with your 90% than what you could have done with your 100%. I told you, I, I'm not teaching you anything that I haven't walked out. But when we first got married, we were poor. We were poor. Our first end tables were cardboard boxes with a beautiful peach sheet over it with a doily. And I think I've told you this before, but we just prayed that no one would ever put their coffee cup on it because it would have went right through, okay? But it looked like a beautiful table. In fact, while I was waiting for Kristen to come in, what I did is I took, I had a, a minivan at the time, Aerostar, okay? She still married me. And I took the third row, because there was just me, and I took the third row out and I put it in our, our apartment, and that was our couch, okay? So don't talk to me about being poor. I, I've been poor, okay? When you're barely getting by, tithing is a very difficult principle. Because you're saying, God, I have a $900 bill coming due at the end of this month. I have $500 in my account. I'm going to get maybe two or $300 in my next paycheck. And pastor's asking for 10%. Now, when things are going great and you have abundance and lands and money and everything, tithing is not a difficult principle because it's just a little bit out of nothing. You don't miss it that much. But God wants to show you that he can do more with your less than you can do with your more. A great story is about Gideon. Telling you in the kingdom of God things just don't always add up. Gideon sends out a note to everybody says, hey, we got to go to battle. Tens of thousands of men show up. God says, you got too many men. Tell any of the men that are scared they can go home. But really, this is, this is and 22,000 men went home. Now, I mean, think about this. All right, who's all scared? Who thinks they're going to die tomorrow? You can go on home. Well, all right, I'll, I'll see you guys later. You know, that couldn't have been a real brave heart kind of moment. You know what I mean? With the mountain of guilt and telling them to do this. No, it's like, oh, you sissies, go on home. 
okay, I'll go at home. And it still comes down. And then he says, you know what? You still have too many people. Now at this point, I'd be asking God, are you sure this is the right thing? Because there's thousands and thousands. I'm down to a couple hundred. And he takes 300 men into battle against a huge army. And he said, I want the children of Israel to know that it wasn't you, it was me. And if you read that battle, those 300 men caused confusion and that army turned on its own self and killed itself. So really the 300 men just kind of got a great spectator view of a great event. When we have the abundant resources, sometimes we take credit for things that God is doing in other people's lives. And it's when you step out in faith and say, God, I'm giving you everything I got. And I know it's not enough. And he says, now, there's a heart that I can move in. There's a heart that I can deal with. I can do more with your less than you can do with your more. But we hold our more. We're like farmers sometimes that says, okay, this is the last bucket of, of corn that I have. And he's saying, sow it out. But no, I, I need to eat it. If you eat your seed, you won't have a harvest. But I'm hungry right now. There's a harvest. Sow it. See it multiply. See what God can do with it. Wisdom, understanding, God's word brings a combination. Great blessing. Point number three is insight. In our verse, it says he'll give us wisdom and insight. Insight is the same as common sense. Seeing how to do something. It's more than just seeing the truth. It's knowing the direction to take. It's understanding. It's solving day-to-day -day problems. Some of the smartest people I knew did not have college degrees, but they had great common sense. They knew what to do. They could see a problem and fix it and come up with a solution. And they didn't have to write an owner's manual to do it. They just went in and did it. We can know all the knowledge, but if we don't have common sense, it never gets applied. An example is the Pharisees that Jesus went up against. He called them a brood of vipers. Jesus didn't come to really fight the sinners. He came to fight the religious organization that was going on at the time that were controlling people. Remember the false teachers that we talked about? The false teachers that brought the people into slavery? The, they knew the word. They knew the prophecies. They knew that a Messiah was to come. They knew even where this Messiah was to be born. They knew of Jesus. They knew where he was born, but they didn't accept him because of a lack of common sense. You can have knowledge and not common sense and be dumb as a stick. Because you'll have all this knowledge, but you never know how to apply it. This is the ability to be more of a hearer of the word, which is what the word of God says, that we need to be doers. God has given us the ability and understanding to apply. Proverbs 2.6, many of you all know, says the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Amen. We're to have more than a knowledge of God. 
we're to put that knowledge to use in our lives. Knowledge is knowing a fact, but common sense is knowing what to do with it. Knowledge is just knowing the fact. See, Angel could have came over and said, your fans aren't spinning around. That's why your house isn't cool. That was knowledge. But he also had common sense to know what it took to get those fans spinning again so that my evaporator coils would start condensing and start cooling the air and blowing them through the vent. See, I told you I learned a lot on that HVA. <laughs> you know, when it's 130 degrees, you listen quickly up in the attic, okay? Because it's like, you don't want to repeat this. He had knowledge and common sense. There are a lot of people that have knowledge of who God is, but they have no common sense to make Jesus Christ their savior, to surrender their lives daily to them, to him. Jesus has given us all the tools. It's just sometimes we don't want to listen. In fact, we're left really without an excuse because James 1.5 tells us this. If any of you needs wisdom to know what you should do, you should ask God. And he will give it to you. God is generous to everyone and doesn't find fault with them. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody in your life that's generous and doesn't find fault with you? That tells you why you're in this situation and what a dumb thing it was. And you see, my mom and dad had a great way of bringing all my past up when they were fixing my current situation. And I didn't want to hear about my past. I wanted them to fix the current situation. But God is not like that. God loves you. God is always more concerned with your future than he is your past. If you'll ask Jesus Christ in your heart as Lord and Savior, your past is forgiven. But he's more concerned about your future. Becoming who you were truly created to be. Truly becoming who you were to be. And that comes through not only spiritual blessings, being holy and blameless in his sight, understanding that we're adopted into the family of God, knowing that there's redemption from our sins, that even when we think that our life is this, God wants to buy us back. He gives us wisdom and understanding. And all we have to do is accept the gift of salvation. Turn our lives over to God. Say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I need your help. Some of the best prayers come straight from the heart and not from a manuscript. Some of the best prayers you'll ever pray are conversations with God, not in front of other people. It could be in a, a room where you're alone on your knees. It could be sitting on a couch. God and I had some conversations today at 4.08 in the morning. Everyone else is asleep. And I just talked to him. Told him what was on my heart. Gave it to him. Asked him to handle it. And I went back to sleep. But if you don't have that relationship and you're waking up at 4.08 in the morning with problems and weights and concerns and you don't have God to give those to, you're probably going to be awake at 5.08 and 6.08 and 7.08 and then you go into work tired and that puts more pressure on you 
and you come home and it just builds and it builds and it builds until we explode with an emotional outburst because we never gave it to God in the first place because we never asked for his wisdom and understanding because we never left it at the cross because we never understood the power of our, the redemption of our lives. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, Wisdom and understanding. I just want you to think about a situation in your life right now that you're dealing with. It could be in your workplace. It could be within your family. It could be within a relationship. It could be in your finances. It could be in an addiction. It could be something that's ruling over you that you would like to get rid of in your life. And have you truly asked God to give you wisdom and discernment in regards to the direction you're taking. Have you really asked God to get involved in this? Not just because you're a Christian and you think he's there, have you asked him, God, give me wisdom and understanding about this relationship. Give me wisdom and understanding about this financial situation. The next step, Lord, that I'm taking in my life, would you give me wisdom and direction? Have we really laid our lives down at the cross before him? and cried out or have we just thought we'll handle it and we'll see if our ways line up with God's ways no maybe it's a time for us just to stop in our tracks and ask God for his wisdom and discernment understanding common sense these would be great things to have in our life right now and then would we even ask God not only fix this situation, but would you help me to help others in their quest for wisdom? Would you make me godly counsel to other people? The moment I said that, I sensed that somebody said, I'll never be able to be godly counsel because of who I am. You don't understand what Christ did on the cross and the power of the word of God. Ask God to make you godly counsel. Would you all pray with me? It's a very simple prayer. But there might be somebody here that says, you know, Pastor Mark, I just need a restart. I need a do-over. There might be somebody listening on our webcast that needs to hear this message. Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Spiritually, we're forgiven. But let's have wisdom and understanding about decisions that you're going to be making today, this week this upcoming month, the rest of this year. How we trust God in our lives. That's what this spiritual blessing is all about. To not only tell us how much he loves us, what he paid for us, but what he's willing to do for us today. We're going to be getting into a word of revelation next week. It's going to be an interesting passage
that we're going to go into. So I encourage you to come. I know Pantigo Fest is going to be happening next week, but still, I'd love for you to come. As Kristen said, we'll be actually coming back through the alleyway. You won't be able to pull right into the parking lot, but you'll be pulling around the alleyway, around back here, and then you can park. So we'd love to have you next week. I'd love for you to stand. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. Love to see you Tuesday night. If you can't make it Tuesday night, would you be praying for us? If you're not a youth, but you feel like it, would you be praying for our youth on Wednesday night as they go on campuses and start praying over those campuses? Do you realize that that's spiritual warfare? According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So we go in peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. We love you so very, very much.